It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi everybody, this is the Cricket Badger podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bêche, meaning digger. Hello everybody, welcome along to another edition of the Cricket Badger Podcast. Terrific guest today, a very popular figure in the world of cricket, and that's Samit Patel. We'll get to him in just a second. But first of all, thank you very much for listening and tuning in around the world to the Cricket Badger Podcast. It is much appreciated. I know I say this a lot, but please don't think it diminishes the thought behind the statement that you tune in and listen to the Cricket Badger Podcast in ever-increasing numbers. It's my baby, and I'm really pleased that it's reaching some ears that enjoy it, care about it, and tune in episode to episode. It's something during lockdown that's been done from my flat. It's something that I'm very appreciative of all the guests that come on it and give it their time. And I'm also very appreciative to at tvsportsblog.com for their support of the Cricket Badger podcast. Give them a follow as well on Twitter at tvsportsblog. Keep listening because there's plenty of really good episodes to come. Some great guests planned for the Cricket Badger podcast as we go through the remainder of lockdown and hopefully into the new normal. The guest today is Samit Patel, the all-rounder from Trent Bridge, from Nottinghamshire, England international, had a very long and successful career, and as you'll hear, isn't finished yet. Now a fixture on the T20 franchise circuit around the world. He's not just got fans in England, but he's picking up fans all around the globe in Australia, Pakistan, Bangladesh. He answers the Cricket Badger 20 questions. It also includes uh, another question from Harry Gurney, a former guest on the Cricket Badger podcast, who helped me set up this chat with Samit Patel. So it's 21 questions, really, that Samit faces. I've had tooth problems all the way through lockdown. I have two courses of antibiotics. I've been on the phone to 111, waiting in queues for hours on end. Finally got to the dentist the other day and had my tooth ripped out. Not necessarily the medical term. And I was sitting on the sofa editing this podcast with Samit. And it made me feel better remembering this chat with Samit Patel from a few weeks ago. Samit champing at the bit to get back into cricket action. And you'll hear all about that and plenty more besides on this edition of the Cricket Badger Podcast. (laughs) 
Cricket Badger Fact File Samit Rohit Patel Right hand bat and slow left arm spinner Nottinghamshire, Glamorgan, England, Islamabad United, Lahore Calendars, MCC, Melbourne Renegades and Ranch Shy Kings. Six tests and 53 white ball games for his country. Highest first class score 257 not out. Highest one day score 136 not out. Best first class bowling 7 for 68. Best one day bowling 6 for 13. A Trent Bridge favourite, let's have a badger chat. Yes, yeah, uh, testing times, isn't it, really? It's a, um, it's a bit weird. Not used to being at home for the, not, not used to being at home this much, no. to be honest. Especially not this time of year. I've, no, yeah, no, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's but, a, yeah, all good. I, I've spoken to quite a few cricketers actually over the last few weeks. It's been my therapy doing these podcasts. Most of them are saying half half of us is kind of missing cricket and worried about the threat of COVID nineteen, and the other half of us is actually thinking don't get much time to actually do this. Usually, it's quite nice to sit out in the garden and enjoy the family a bit. Yeah, well, I've had enough of that now. I'm ready for some cricket. <laughs> <laughs> it's that badger style. Samit Patel, it's a pleasure to welcome you to the Cricket Badger Podcast. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm all right. Okay. Yeah, I'm okay, I think. It's a bit of a strange world that we live in at the moment, isn't it? We should be watching cricket, you should be playing cricket, and at the <laughs> moment we're kind of doing everything else, but it's a, it's a weird one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it is very strange, and I'm definitely not used to being at home this much. I don't think my wife was anticipating me being at home this much um, during, the, during the summer, so... Yeah, no. Um, sounds good to spend some time with family, but I think I'm ready to play some cricket. Are you saying your wife married you because she thought she could have summers off? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, it's um, it's a difficult period at the moment for, for everybody. It's just important that everyone stays safe and, and stays healthy, really. So I think people, if people do it right, we should be back uh, back playing pretty soon, hopefully. How do you see that going? Because um, they've already said that you know anything that happens is probably going to be behind closed doors. Certainly this year, it might even go into next year. The, the social distancing stuff. So, do you, do you see some county cricket this year? Hopefully, we can see some county cricket. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll get some cricket. Uh, I was in Pakistan when it broke out, to be honest, um, and I was playing Pakistan Premier League, and um, it got a bit hairy there, and we had to, we had to postpone the tournament. So we we qualified for the qualifiers, but. Um, didn't quite finish, so yeah, we will probably have to play them. Hopefully, at the end of the year, at some stage, if we get in a window. Because the the English players were given the opportunity to, to come home, weren't they? Did you take the opportunity, or did you stay out there a little bit longer, hoping to get a bit more match action? Uh, I stayed out there longer solely because there was no threat in Lahore, and the other guys were based um, in Karachi and Islamabad. So I, I didn't feel any sort of threat with with the virus in in Lahore, but I think. The PCB made the right call in in getting the thing postponed and getting guys back home to families. Really, the last thing we needed was uh, probably guys to get stuck out there away from their families. So even when I got back, I was seven days in isolation by myself in a hotel anyway. So yeah, yeah. it was um, that'd be fun. It was, yeah, it was being in my home city and staying in a hotel was a little bit weird, but yeah. <laughs> It, it seemed that once one sport or one governing body had decided to you know, start to um, suspend action, everybody else followed quite quickly, didn't they? And as you say, it's the right thing to do, get get things uh, get things off, get people safe, and then see where we go from there. Well, yeah, I think one, the PSLs was one of the last events to get postponed, really, which is interesting because I know all the stuff that around the world that things were getting cancelled and we were seeing it day by day, but nothing came, came up in Pakistan. 
but yeah, it happened very quick, like you said. 35 years old, 159 days, according to Crick Info Summit, for you at the moment. <laughs> the um, I mean, by the time this goes out, you'll be a few days older, but it's, it's, it's around, the, around, around the right ballpark. How long have you got left to play? I mean, what I was thinking the other day, I mean, I interviewed Darren Stevens on the podcast a, a few weeks ago, and there'll be people kind of towards the end of their career, you know, potentially were thinking this was their last season. Potentially, they might have played the last game. Hopefully, there's a few more games left in you yet. Absolutely, yeah. There's plenty more games left in me. Hopefully, I, I, want, I want to play to 40, 40 plus. You just never know, really. And I think that what I do is the spinning all round. I think I can do that pretty well. So, yeah, I, I don't really, I'm not putting any goals or targets of age of, of when I want to stop. I'll just stop when I, when I feel the time's right, really. Not did quite a nice little uh, kind of behind the scenes little documentary during uh, the last season, wasn't it? And I was watching that, and there was one moment in that yeah, it, was, it was concerning you, and you were taken um, onto a bench, and they told you you were going to be dropped. And I think you said that it was the first time you'd been dropped um, in your in your knots career. Was that was that quite strange to play that out and then to kind of maybe see it back on camera later? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that was the first time I've been dropped um, since my debut. Well, yeah, since I got in and out of the team, and then since two thousand and six, probably I've not been dropped since yeah two nineteen. So yeah, I've not been dropped since then. So let's just say I've done pretty well up until then. And then if the club made a call of of me not fitting in their plans during that year, then well, so be it. But I was in and out. Not through lack of effort, but just it wasn't running my way. Did they tell you before they did that? Did they did they say, oh, we're going to do this and we're going to put it on camera, we're going to tell you this on camera? Or did they just no. spring it on you? Oh, no, they just did it. I, did, I actually didn't know they recorded it. Okay. But, yeah, it was it was a documentary run through the club, so, yeah, there was no, no harm in that. And then you, you spent a bit of time at Glamorgan, didn't you? Um, some county championship fixtures down there. How did you find that? Yeah, I loved it, actually. It was a breath of fresh air, to be honest. Um getting away from the norm, what I call it, Trent Bridge, to, to go in a different dressing room in a different environment was, was really good, actually. It was it did me a lot of good. Um, I came back fresh. And it was better than me going to play in the second team at Knotts. So, yes, on first-class cricket, it was if, if someone did go down, I'd, I'd be straight in. So playing first-class cricket would, would, would be beneficial for, for both parties. Somebody that's 35, that's, I mean, you've, you've been around obviously quite a long time now and you, you've seen it and done it, played for England, etc, etc. Playing second 11 cricket wouldn't really, would you learn too much doing that? No, no. I, there wouldn't have been much point in, in me doing that unless, unless I, it would have had to come from me and say that would have helped some of our young lads out, which, which possibly that could have been an option. But for my personal cricket, probably not, which then I took the glammy option when they came in on loan was Mick basically said, I'm not going to Scarborough, but glammy have come on loan. Do you want to go? And yeah, I, I just basically said, yeah, fine, why not? And were they welcoming down there at, uh, in Wales? Was, Absolutely, was, yeah. Was it, was no, it quite weird fantastic. to go into a different dressing room though? The, you know, obviously playing, you've played overseas in different dressing rooms, but to go into a different county, was that quite strange? Yeah, it was a little bit. My first game was at Colwyn Bay against Langs. And yeah, well, that that drive down on Saturday to Colwyn Bay, um, it was a little bit interesting, but once I got there and, and got it was yeah, it was it felt pretty normal. Great bunch of lads, well respected, um, great coaching, Matt Maynard and Dave Harrison. Um, it was yeah, it was really good. Run very well, professional. It was um, it was good to see really. You mentioned Colwyn Bay there. That's I had four terrible days at Colwyn Bay. I was covering Yorkshire against Glamorgan, and uh, I think we saw about twenty overs on on the first morning, and then it absolutely 
chucked it down for the rest of the uh, rest of the thing. Just sat in this little marquee thing at the bottom of the ground, just yeah. watching it rain. It was horrendous. Thinking, okay, if they come off the sea, there it'd be it can't be a bit brutal there. But there's a little there's a yeah. little hill at the top, and it all runs yeah, down that is, bank, yeah. and it just it was just yeah. settling in puddles at the top. That's why they couldn't play. It was yeah, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't great. I mean, yeah, I'm sure you've spent many an hour in a dressing room watching it uh, bang on the windows as well. Absolutely, I've seen many grounds rain, and wish there being one where you can get flooded. Yeah, it's um. Well, I think we played the pool day and it's been during actually. We've got four days washed out, so we didn't buy the ball. It's no, it's no fun. That's nice when the sun's shining, isn't it? But it's no fun when it's chucking it down with rain. Sa- Samit, you Sorry. are going to take on the Cricket Badger 20 questions today. Um, I've, right. got a, I've got a little secret for you. There's actually 21 because Harry Gurney has slipped one in under the radar. But I will uh, bring that one up as we get to it. We'll see. <laughs> the question number one, if not a cricketer, what would you have done with your life? Where would Samit Patel be now if cricket didn't exist? <sighs> I'd probably go down the route of sales. I'd be a sales rep selling stuff. Maybe property that way. Gift I do the, like property. Gift of the gab of you. You, you could you could I sell, reckon, you could sell snow to an Eskimo. I reckon I could visit a few people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who was the biggest influence on your career? I'm going to say my dad. Just growing up, always having a bat and ball in my hand, uh, playing cricket in the back garden, going to club cricket with dad. Yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd say dad. I think that yeah, in Indian culture, crickets. It's in, it's in the blood, really, and, and watching it on TV. Um, cricket was always what I wanted to do, and yeah, that's, I'd say it was that. And has he been? Uh, has he taken a lot of pride in what you've achieved since you've uh, turned pro? And obviously, the kind of all the travelling around when you were a kid and everything, you, you kind of pay, Absolutely, pay it yeah. back later, don't you? Well, yeah, travelling up and down the country every second day to go and play a county match. Yeah, it, there was a lot of hard work running around, basically. So yeah, definitely. What's been your best moment in cricket? If I could take you back to any 24 hours in your, your cricketing career, what would you like to relive again? I think you play cricket to play test cricket. Uh, well, I certainly did with growing up and receiving my test cap in goal in 212. Yeah, I'd go back to that day. I think that you worked that hard to play, to play for England and play test cricket. I think yeah, I'd, I'd go back to that day. Six test matches under your belt, 36 ODIs and 18 T20 internationals. That's not bad, is it, at all? Do you think you could have got maybe more out of that? Yeah, possibly. Who, who knows? Um, probably fought in both parties, but maybe a lack of misunderstanding, communication, whatever you want to call it. But I don't regret anything of that, to be honest. Um, if someone would have said you play 60 times for England, I'd snap your head off. So, yeah, there's no regrets. The probably only regret is that not playing a home test match in front of my home crowd. That would be my only regret, but nothing apart from that. There was always talk with you, and I always felt it was a little bit unfair, but the unfit label was given to you, wasn't it? There was there was one particular tour, wasn't there, where that, that really reared its head. Did, did you ever feel that you weren't fit? You're 35, you're talking about going on to 40-plus as a player, so you've obviously got some kind of fitness there, haven't you? Well, absolutely, yeah. Um, would I say I was unfit? I'd say I was fit for purpose, um, but didn't look like a stereotypical English player. But for me, skill will always be number one priority, regardless of what anything, everybody, what anybody else says. And I'd always I'd stand up for that, even now. But yeah, you do have to be fit. I'm not saying you don't have to be fit, but yeah, I'd, skills for me are number one priority. I always think with you that if you'd, say, got the builder Stuart Broad, you'd have probably, probably played twice as many times for England. Well, yeah, people can say that about anything, really. and. It's just the way it is sometimes, and let's just say I, I, there's a little bit in me saying that I really want to play T20 cricket for England. Still, yeah, I think I do. I think I can still do a job for England in T20 cricket, but the Test cricket and One Day cricket definitely 
the ship sailed there, but hopefully there's a little bit in me to play T20 cricket. Yeah, I mean, you never know, do you? If you can get the, the T20 blast played behind closed doors towards the end of this summer, which is uh, still on the cards, I think, in terms of the ECB's thinking, you have an absolutely stellar T20 blast. The uh, World T20 is not far away ahead of that. You could put yourself back in the frame, couldn't you? A little bit, yeah. Um, bearing in fact that I play for Melbourne Renegades in the big bash and the World Cups in Australia a um, little bit of experience about grounds yeah hopefully I'd say that I'd like to like to say that I might have an outside chance but that it'll be a very it'll be a might and obviously that England whiteboard team is very very successful it'll be hard to get in it but the thing that drives me most is is putting match winning performances in for knots and hopefully I can impress a few people you've played a, a few franchise tournaments around the world you mentioned the big bash there with Melbourne Renegades but obviously the, the Pakistan Super League as well that you mentioned at the start of the the chat how have yeah. you have, how have you found them obviously you've been embedded in the T20 blast for its duration how, how have the other ones been have you been impressed by them absolutely yeah the standard of um, standard of bowling especially in the PSL is very very high and I think that obviously the big bash speaks for itself to be honest the grounds the crowd quality of players I don't think it's too dissimilar to the Blast, to be fair. Um, I think if you put our internationals in the Blast and the Aussie internationals come back for, for their teams, um, the standard will be very high. But yeah, it's um, the franchise cricket I, I do like and hopefully I can keep playing franchise cricket for as long as I can. I, I'd imagine when you get the call from Australia to say, do you want to come and play for the Melbourne Renegades, it doesn't take long to say yes to that, does it? Well, no, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, it didn't take me very long. It took me 30 seconds. It was a straight yes and... Off I went. I got the call on Sunday morning and I flew Sunday afternoon. So, yeah. So, you didn't, you didn't even have time to say yes, did you? <laughs> no, exactly, yeah. There's a question further down. Though. I'm going to bring it forward from the the, uh, the order on the 20 questions about how nervous do you get? I and mean, when was the last time you get really nervous? As somebody who's been around a fair bit and you've, you've bowled a lot of cricket balls, you've played a lot of cricket matches, when you walk into your debut for the Melbourne Renegades or your debut in the Pakistan Super League, do you still get that tinge of butterflies? Does it still affect you? Absolutely, yeah. I think my last test match, I'd been in in and around the England team, then nowhere near it, and then suddenly Ansari gets injured and I get caught up at 2.15 to go to Sharjah and UAE to play Pakistan. Didn't play the first two and then got called in to play. We played three spinners at Sharjah. And yeah, I was very nervous. That that morning of the, that third test match, I was, yeah, it was the most nervous I've ever been, really. I think that because I've not been playing international cricket and to get chucked in, to a test match for five days, it, it was going to be tough for me. But yeah, that, that's the most nervous I've got, really. They always say, don't they, that if you don't get at least a tinge of nerves, it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter to you. It's not. It doesn't matter enough. So you need that little no, bit of an edge, don't absolutely, you? Absolutely. Yeah, I think every time I go to bat, I'm very, I'm slightly nervous. It's, it's after that first ball, I'm, I'm totally fine. But going up to that first ball, I'm a little bit sceptical, to be fair. Cricket Badger Podcast is brought to you in association with tvsportsblog.com. Give them a follow on Twitter at tvsportsblog. Excellent sporting content. It's well worth a look. And give them a follow on Twitter at tvsportsblog. What's been your worst moment in cricket? What's the day you wouldn't want to go back and relive again? Oh, just that, that day when they dropped me and it was all over the newspapers. Uh, that day was the worst. I'd probably never go back to. Um, I told myself I'd never go back to that place ever again. And... Thankfully, I haven't. Things have moved on uh, pretty well since then. So, yeah, pretty happy. Talk me through that and how it made you feel. Well, it just made you feel like you've let people down, uh, family, people that really care about you, that, that you've let down, that have backed you. You could, you could, you'd look for people to blame, but I, I just, I just 
took all the blame, to be fair. Didn't really blame anyone apart from myself. And it was, I said that I'd never do it, I'd never go there again. So that was, I, I thought I'd, I'd just finish it there and, and try and play for England after that, which I did, which is, I think the thing that was really pleasing for me was that Flower, Flower and Strauss made the call to drop me. But then I knew Flower rated me to pick me again. He didn't just leave me in the dark, which I knew that was that was really reassuring for me, is that I knew someone was in my corner. Even though the coach left me out, he'd always want me to play in his teams. Yeah. And, and that was that's why I do salute and Flower a lot. And I rate him as a coach immensely. I think that he's up there with one of the best I've ever worked with, along with Morsey. Um, both fitness-driven, but also no skill is very important. And yeah. that, to me was really, it was quite caring from a coach to, to, to do that. Like he'd always ring me and say how I was and what the plans were. It was not it was not just like you dropped, um, that'll be it. It would be like, these are the plans. Can you meet them? If you do, you will pick you. And, and that was really, really good to, to hear from a coach. I'm going to misquote him badly here, Andy Flower, but he, he said something along the lines of, I didn't expect him to be super fit. I just needed him to be fit enough or something along those lines. And it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was, Andy was very, very clear. He was very tough, um, strong-minded Zimbabwean, as we all know, but also a man that would back you to the hill. He, would, he wouldn't leave you because he knew that hopefully I'd produce the goods to win some games for England. And that was that. Was that. And it's, it's good, good to get a coach that backs you, to be honest. They say people learn from their mistakes and learn from those kind of experiences. Did you... Do you look back and see it like that, that that was maybe something that you stepped on from and, and made sure it never happened again? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. If you want to keep up with the young guys now these days, then you, you've got to be fit. Um, you've got to be strong. These guys are fast. These guys run hard. These guys smack it out of the park. They're strong. If you want to play franchise cricket, that's what, that's what you've got to do. And I tell myself since, since that day, I'm, I'm going to try and be, yeah, be up to the mark. Who was your cricket hero when you were a kid? Was there anybody on the on the uh, on the poster on the wall? Absolutely, Sachin Tendulkar was my hero, <laughs> and to play against him was was very very tough because watching him on the TV growing up, playing those games in Sharjah against Australia, and then suddenly playing against him was just you know I, I was definitely starstruck to be honest. I remember a tour in tour to India. We were on a one-day trip and he didn't play the first three ADIs and then he came in for the fourth. And uh, he, I still remember it. Flicked one through square leg for four. And before I turned around, he, I was feeling square leg. It was hit the boundary rope. It was just like, whoa. That was, um, you definitely knew a class player. And yeah, genius. Yeah, I was lucky enough to see him up close. Uh, the 2012 Champions League out in South Africa and... You know, even then, I mean, he was getting towards the end of his career by then, but you could just see it. It just oozes quality. It was incredible. Oh, mate, it was fantastic. I, I actually caught him in the first test match in Medabad. It was off Swanee, and I was at Deep Cow, and I, I don't know how I thought. I was that nervous when it came to me <laughs> that I managed to hold on to it. I don't know how I held on to it, to be honest, but yeah. You're not going to tell me that well, you, you tried to drop it so you could watch him bat a bit longer? No, I actually hate fielding, so I don't really like that. No. <laughs> I only he got he got enough, but it was not nothing that he made us like feel for two days. It was it was all right. He got enough. Did you get a chance to ever speak to him? Yeah, yeah. I was I was I got left out in the fourth test, and I think I think it was a sky camera was straight on me. I mean, it's trying to speak to Sachin on the boundary rope, and um, I was waiting there for six balls, and I asked him, and yeah, I, I was quite. He was polite, like proper gentleman, like just yeah, it was. 
exactly what I thought he'd be. He was like he spoke on the TV. He was brilliant, but there was no fuss about him. There was no, there was nothing spectacular in what he'd said about batting. And I, I said, so "What is it about batting? And why do you make it look so easy?" And he goes, "I just watch the ball, and I, I pick length faster than than most people." And yeah, that was it, really. Oh, see, and at, the, at the end of the day, it's very simple, isn't it? Batting. It's very- yeah. Well, he. You, you, well, try, you saw his batting. Yeah. I, I tried to get an interview with him out in South Africa in that uh, Champions League. I, I, I said this on the podcast only a few weeks ago, but uh, so sorry if you've heard this before, listeners. He, he was there and he was walking around the edge of the nets and he was on his own. And I had my video camera and I thought, yeah, you don't, if you don't ask, you don't get, do you? So I went across to him and I said, hi, I'm Sa- hi, Sachin. I'm, I'm doing some work for Yorkshire. You played for Yorkshire in 1992. Would you give me five minutes on, on film? And he shook my hand and he was very polite and he said no, <laughs> basically. So I walked away again. But it was uh, just just to say that I shook his hand was enough. Yeah, no, he's um, he's a great entertainer. It was great to watch, um, and he carried carried a nation. To be honest, if you could trade lives with any current, you can go back in time if you want. We've relaxed the rules on this question. Um, but if you could change, trade lives with any cricketer for a day, who would you choose? Live in the skin of, have their skills, be them for a day. Dre Russell. Why is that? Andre Russell bowls fast athlete catches pigeons and smacks it out of the park he's, so, he's brutal isn't he absolutely pure match winner Dre Russell with that shot Chris Gale was up there but I, I follow um, Andre Russell on uh, on Instagram and he does these drills he's got a kind of net in his back garden I think and he just yeah. stands there and smacks that ball you wouldn't want to get in the way of those shots honestly it was around, it was no. you know he hits it a long way you don't want to get him you know you don't want to get in the way he hits it, he hits it miles I'm going to put you in charge of world cricket for a day, Samit Patel. You can do anything you like. You're behind the big desk. You've got all the control in the world. What would you change about the world game? You can't use a new ball. Can't be out first ball. You can't be out first ball. So it's like when you're a kid. If it, if you're out first ball, you get another go. Can't be out first ball. And you can't use a new ball. <laughs> that speaks of batsman. Yeah, definite batsman. If you were starting your career again, you could uh, send a text message to the young Samit Patel, the 12-year-old, 13-year-old, bright-eyed, expectant little cricketer. What would you tell him? Practice a Yorker and practice T20 skills. I mean, if you if you'd done that from when you were a little kid, you'd be really ahead of the game by now, wouldn't you? Absolutely, yeah. Practice hitting sixes, practice bowling Yorkers, and you are sorted. I mean, we, we talked about you. I mean, you, you having the the T20 franchise experience and stuff like that. You, it's it's also a chance to win a few quid as well, isn't it? I mean, I'm not going to ask you how much you earn and, and what you get and everything, but as a 35 year old, hoping to go until 40, but it's still quite a nice little thing to do over the last five years of your career and, and pick up a few checks. Absolutely, yeah, it's a great. It's what I enjoy. I think that T20 is what I really enjoy at the minute, and I enjoy being around people that want to play good T20 cricket to be honest and, and that's what I get the buzz from and yeah at the minute T20 for me is definitely a priority. Are you always learning? You know you've played T20 now for a long time but you, you know going into these various franchises you're going to be playing with players from overseas countries, players with all kinds of different skills, are you always picking up tips? Absolutely yeah I think spinners these days now do need Yorkers, we need wide Yorkers, I think that you spinners now there's definitely a job going out there if spinners can bowl death it makes you more more valuable in a team, to be honest. So I think T20 and now with the new hundred ball, every spinner now is going to get targeted. So yeah, you need you need some good defensive skills, and if you don't have any, then you probably will get found out. They always thought at the start of T20 that it was going to be the seamers that were that ruled the roost, and the spinners would be cannon fodder because everybody would line them up. But it's actually not turned out that way. If you look at the world T20 rankings, eight or nine of the top ten in the world are spin bowlers. It's it's been a, a spinner's paradise, or maybe not paradise, but spinners been very successful. Absolutely, yeah. I think you need to be smart. Obviously, spinners can't bowl bounces, but 
yeah, we, we can we can intimidate people by how much we spin it. But yeah, as I said, being smart. And I think that spinners need to be smarter um, and develop new skills. I'm going to throw in Harry Gurney's question now. I deny all knowledge of this one. It's not my fault. Um, he says, ask him if he likes to grab any extra snacks on the way out of the lunchroom. Yeah. What, what do you grab? He's, he's given me the answer to this. He said, what, what do you grab, Summit? Well, at Trent Bridge, normally, the chef normally, we'll cook for some members up the top. And uh, I, do, I don't mind a chip cup, to be honest. We'll just get a nice little bread roll and uh, get two or three chips and stick it in the roll and, and take it up to the dressing room on the way out. <laughs> Um, Harry followed up his question with always helps himself to a chip butty so yeah you were, you were honest mate you were honest absolutely yeah it's not every day but try and uh, try and stick one in every four day game to be honest <laughs> they say rock stars want to be sportsmen and vice versa if you could have been not been a cricketer but still been famous what would you have chosen to be famous as I'd love to be Jackie Chang for one day <laughs> seriously that, that that little clip in rush hour where he swings down that nice little drape that was I'd love to do that every minute it's not too late do another five years of cricket and then you can become a, a film star <laughs> yeah mate Jackie Chang all day long if you could meet anyone living or dead this is kind of that dinner party question you can have one person around you can have maybe two or three if you want to but who would you like to meet that you could pick the brains of somebody that you've admired Tiger Woods Muhammad Ali and Diego Maradona. Very sporty, but very good. Yeah, those three, I reckon, just to get inside and see what they're thinking, just for a day, that'd be meant. What would you ask Diego? Why did you handball it? <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> why? Just why? Why did you do it? didn't need it. That's when we needed VAR. That is when we needed it. That is. They're going to make Summit the movie. There's a, there's a Nottingham film production company. They've got the script. They're looking for the person to play you in the leading role. They've phoned you up and said, Summit, who do you reckon would be the best person to play you? Uh, I don't know, really. It's a tough one. I might go DJ Bravo. Yeah. I think I'll go Bravo, yeah. <laughs> if you're listening, there's a, there's a film role for you. What is the top item on your bucket list? Things to do before you die. What's number one on that list? Jumping out of a plane. You've never done start, that? I want to start do you know what? I, I, I actually put myself d- down to do that once as a charity thing, and I bottled it because I hate heights and I just I just couldn't do it. I'll probably bottle it as well when I get it. <laughs> it's something you fancy doing, though, is it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just to tick it off. Rather you than mate. Are you a morning or a night person? Definite morning person. I always thought that cricketers would tell me night, but it's actually everybody says morning these days. Is that, no, is that since you've been older? Oh, older and kids. Yeah, definite morning. I suppose you don't get the option, do you, when you've got kids? No. Yeah. On a scale of one to ten, Samit Patel, ten is the Fonz, the coolest man in the in, in the world. One isn't. Where are you ten. on that uh, spectrum? Ten. ten. I'm dead cool. You're ten. Yeah. Cool. I'll, I'll tell you what. That's refreshing. You're the first person to ever get that question that's actually gone with ten because usually people go five or six because they don't want to kind of look cocky, but they don't want to go. I'm not cool. Harry Gurney went no. one. He is. The, he's one person who's not cool, and he's <laughs> all right with that. He, he said that when he looks around the Knott's dressing room and he sees some of the younger lads with all their flash gear and everything and all their 200-pound uh, trainers and everything, it makes him feel like an old man. No, uh, it's because he is an old man, so am I, <laughs> but I'm trying to be cool. I, I was trying to stick with the young he isn't. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would you want to uh, have a house or a flat or an apartment? Number one, Sandy Lane, Barbados. Good choice. It's a brilliant place, isn't it? Very good place. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. I always think with Barbados, it's just a, it's a, 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 it's a cricket island. So if you're going to go over there to play cricket, you might, you know, if you're going to go anywhere to play cricket, you might as well go to Barbados where they love it. And it's so chilled, isn't it? It's just such a chilled yeah, that's place. Why, yeah, that's why, I, that's why I chose Barbados. If you could change one thing about yourself, what would you change? Be taller. How tall are you? Not tall enough. Five, seven. Five, seven. What would you want to be? Six foot. 
Wouldn't that change you though? No, wouldn't maybe that? better. You, but if you think about the best batsmen and everything, you, you talk about the Tendulkers and the Pontings and stuff. None, none of them are six foot. Yeah, but he'd still be good though. Where will you be in 10 years' time? I mean, you've said you want to play till you're 40, so that maybe means that you might be in retirement in, uh, when you're 45. You might still be definitely. playing, who knows? But what, what do you fancy doing? Are you going to stay in cricket? Are you going to do something completely different? Oh, definitely. I'd like to be a mentor for, for some kids that, that are growing um, and definitely be on the franchise circuit. Hopefully, hopefully I've got a lot to offer, a lot of knowledge, uh, batting and bowling, different conditions. Um, hopefully I'm attractive as a... Uh, as a mentor or as a coach, really. I wouldn't like to be head coach. I'd just like to be a batting coach or a specialist in a field where I could do a good job. Have you done any of the coaching levels yet? Uh, one and two, but I need to I need to get three and four done, really. Three. I need to get three done. Get down that route, be a mentor, is, is what I see. Being a player that's playing these franchises at the moment, it gives you a better opportunity to do that, doesn't it? Because you've got that experience of playing around the world. Yeah, absolutely. And you meet different people and you meet the owners and you get to you get to see how they operate and how they are and hopefully be just be a good person really and, and be good around the boys and try and make kids better and, and that that'll be my next goal. We've come to question number twenty, Samit Patel. Yeah. You've lasted this far. In fact it's question number twenty one if you can include Harry Gurney's question. If you've been picking these questions though, if you've been interviewing yourself on this podcast, what would you have asked yourself to get a fantastic and exclusive answer? It's basically a question which means tell me a secret. <laughs> Yeah, good question. Can't answer it, I don't know. I asked um, the same question of Brad Hogg, the former Australian spinner, the other day. And I, I, I thought when I was asking him it, basically we'd just been talking about him writing his autobiography and being completely open and honest in that. And the fact that he's basically a, an upfront kind of guy. There aren't really too many secrets that you can you can dish because he's basically said everything. Are you, are you kind of along those lines, really? You, you know, yeah, yeah, I think I've been pretty honest. Yeah, I don't, do I wish I would have listened a bit more, I don't, I don't know. Like, should have taken the ECB's advice a little bit more. No idea, to be honest. Can't really help you. Well, on that basis, Summit, that's not a, that's not a bad one. If you, if you're a fairly open book and you've not got too many regrets, that's not a bad place to be by the time you get to 35 as a cricketer, is it? Well, yeah, I, don't, I, have, I have no regrets as a cricket at all, to be honest. Um, as I said, look, 60 caps, a decent first-class career. Yeah, uh, there's no regrets at all, to be honest. I think there's probably so find, a few people listening that would take that. No, people will always want more, and so I, I definitely wanted to play more for them, but things just didn't go the way I wanted. And by the time I'd realised, it, it'd gone. To be honest, so that was uh, that was the end of that. I, I tell you what, though, I'd have taken your career. I'd have taken it, and it's still <laughs> and it's still going. And hopefully, we see you play this summer as well. It's not uh, beyond the realms of possibility that Summit Patel might get on the green stuff at some stage this summer, COVID-19 permitting. But it's been brilliant to have you on the Cricket Badger Podcast Summit. And uh, I wish you all the best for the future, all the best for this summer, and all the best for all the way through till you're 40 and beyond. Thank you very much. It's that Badger style. Thank you very much indeed to Samit Patel for joining me on this edition of the podcast. A terrific guest, I think you'll agree. Thanks to tvsportsblog.com for supporting the Cricket Badger podcast. It is really much appreciated. It's kept us going through lockdown. Give them a follow on Twitter, please, at tvsportsblog. And stay tuned because there's plenty more to come over the next few weeks of the Cricket Badger podcast. Got chats already in the bag with Dion Kreish, Cookie Patel, Dougie Brown, plenty more besides as well. Plenty more I've already had a chat with, already agreed to come on the pod, just uh, working out times in the diary and working out when 
I'm going to get them in because I did have a situation in lockdown where I've got about 10 podcasts on my computer and I don't want to stick them all out at once. I want to try and spread them around a little bit. So I'll get them out as quickly as I can. What's been so pleasing, I think, over lockdown is that my efforts seem to have been rewarded. It's doing really well in England, but also been number one in Canada, South Africa, Vietnam, Brazil, climbing the charts in India, been top five in Australia. Wherever you are in the world, thank you so much for your support of it. Please stay tuned because it's not going to go away. This isn't just a podcast for lockdown. This is a podcast that will carry on once normal service has been resumed. and Hopefully you'll carry on listening to it as well. I've been James. It's been an absolute pleasure to bring you Samit Patel and it'd be a pleasure to have you with me next time as well when I return with the next edition of the Cricket Badger Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.